The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Empower Radio presents The Miracle of Healing with Lisa Campion. Meet healers, learn different modalities, and hear empowering stories of people on their healing journey. The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Lisa Campion. Hey there, I'm Lisa Campion, and this is The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio, where we come together every week to discuss all kinds of healing. And I know that's something the world needs a lot of these days, now more than ever. And if you're new to my show, really want to welcome you. Thank you for being here today. And if you've been listening for a while, thank you back. Thank you for coming back. Um, and we have kind of, we're going to mix up the program a little bit today. Um, and I wanted to invite my really good friend, Lydia Dustin, and fellow psychic into the show um, to talk about what it's like to be an empath. So if you identify with being an empath, you know that we get highly attuned to other people's feelings, other people's energy even to the point where we can't tell the difference between like where our energy ends and the world begins. We get all mergy with other people. And chances are really good that we're struggling with drawing and maintaining boundaries, dealing with all the people in our life. And it, we can even be a magnet to um, the energy vampires that we can draw into our life. They sort of come around to test us in our in our our boundary school. So we, we wanted to talk about this, what it's like, like talk to two psychics. So Lydia's an incredible psychic. <laughs> she's like the real Harry Potter. She's like a wizard <laughs> raised by muggles. And she was adopted by two like kind of skeptical college English professors and raised in a traditional Irish Catholic family just outside Boston, just like I was. And um, unbeknownst to her, like her bio family was like psychics, witches, folk healers. And um, so she was kind of born with the gift, much like I was. We've had a really similar um, similar story, and we're we're um, we're really good friends. So thank you so much for um, for being on the show um, and 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 interviewing me. I really want to talk about my book, Energy Healing for Empaths. So thanks so much for being here, Lydia. You're so welcome. I so want to talk about your book because I know clients that I see. It seems that there's almost an epidemic of people that. That are super strong empaths and have no idea and um, oh i know it, your book is really the how-to on how to help them so i recommend it to everyone and uh, i think it's important for the people listening to really find out what exactly does it mean if you're an empath like we all uh, feel feelings but how do you what does it mean to be an actual empath and have, be like a super deep feeler versus just having regular feelings um well, so the difference, like, I think the difference is that, um, like, a regular, you know, regular emotions are, like, we can think about what the psychologists call empathy, like, we feel we're feeling um, sympathy, right? We see somebody that's having an issue, and we, um, we feel like, oh, our heart goes out to that person, we're like, oh, that person, we feel compassion and, and stuff like that. That's a little, that's the psychological trait of 
empathy, but being an empath is actually different. Being an empath is like being a psychic sponge that is literally absorbing the energy, emotions, feelings, physical sensations of other people. And we absorb that and then run it through our system as if it's our feelings. So we might sit down, you might sit next to somebody that's having a bad day, right? And all of a sudden you're like, my God, I've got a headache and I'm super depressed. And you know, why do I feel so messed up all of a sudden? And it feels like it's our feeling, even though it's not, even though it's actually, we're picking up that other person's feeling. Is that what it's like for you too? It is. Um, but I, I think what I went through and I think a lot of other empaths go through is we think that everyone has that. So we might be sitting in a group of people where someone's having like a crisis and I'm like, why aren't we addressing this? Like we're all pretending that that person's not like melting down, even though they're smiling and saying they're fine. I'm like, and I always understood, never understood why people never address the secret crises you know or someone would yeah. pretend they're fine and i'm like why do we all pretend they're fine when obviously they're not um mm. yeah yeah that's really interesting too and i think i'm pastor super attuned to like um I, I call it energy coherence so it's like when our spoken word when what we say matches the energy and the feelings like you can say i'm fine right yeah. and not be fine on the inside and be all like you know and um empaths can always tell that and i think that's what you're talking about right when people don't Absolutely. have energy coherence yeah right and um it uh it's really confusing i for a lot of people because as children I think we were all super in tuned. And when adults said, everything's fine, we'd be like, oh my gosh, nothing's right, something's wrong. Um, but as adults, I think we learned to tune that out unless you're yeah. an empath. And then you can't tune it out. You right. want to tune it out. Lisa, can we tune it out? Can well, we? yeah, <laughs> I know. It's just, you know, this is like the gift that you wish you could throw back. Like, you know, a lot of times, like people, um, they're, they're like, Lisa, how could you say it's a gift? Why? Because the uh, original, title for my book which is called energy healing for empaths the original title was going to be called the gift of empathy and and lot and people were like throw the gift back i don't want this gift it's a curse you know and it's super painful when we don't know how to manage it but we can and what and really what it comes down to is you know first of all you're not crazy like i think we have to learn how to trust that what we're feeling is real and then then we then we can kind of reorient ourselves like if you feel it if you're an empath if you feel it it's real like let's start with that right to kind of tone down the crazy factor and then it will it's a real matter of learning how to manage our energy so we have if we're a psychic sponge it's because and i always see talk about things in terms of an energy field because I'm, was, I spent 22 years, the past 22 years being an energy healer, like doing Reiki and full spectrum healing and all the kinds of healing modalities. And I could always see people's energy, right? I could see people's auras and sense them. And and I knew ages ago that empaths have sponge, like a sponge, that's why we call them a psychic sponge. So one of the best things we can do is to learn how to not be a sponge. We need some basic energy management stuff. We need to learn how to ground ourselves and stay on our body. We need to learn how to squeeze the sponge, how to clear the energy we pick up from other people out of our system. And we need to learn um, really shielding so we like we can be inside our own energy bubble. And once we know those skills, it's not hard to do. It's easy to do. It's like kind of a habit, like you have to do it on a habit, then as a habitual thing, then we have to change the habit of being a sponge to being inside our own bubble. Once we do that, we can move about the world, you know, in a more comfortable way and not just be like, I can't leave my house, you know, which happens to a lot of empaths. 
It does. And I find that so many people think they're introverts, but I, I think they're just super strong empaths that are just haven't learned that um, how to you know, ring out and how to protect. So it's painful for them yeah. to be around people, but part of them yearns for people. And I feel they're in this conundrum where they're, they're lonely, but they, being out in public is painful. Yeah, and, it's really a conundrum. It's a real catch-22 because all, as far as I can tell, all the empaths I've ever met and worked with have a deep calling to help people. Like we want to be healers, caretakers, you know, and heal, I give like kind of a broad definition, like maybe teachers or artists or therapists or ministers, or it's not everybody has like a healing practice like I do. And so we're called, we're called to help. It's like, we're, we're the, um, we're here to serve humanity in some way, you know, and usually in, on a one-on-one -on -one basis, we're more comfortable with. And, and yet that service puts us in the line of fire until we um, learn how to manage our energy. So we tend to, what makes me sad is we tend to diminish ourselves and choose out of fear, choose like, well, I really can't go to Walmart because I really can't go to the hospital. Like really can't like go to the movies like I because it's too much for me. And then we we make choices that diminish and, and less like make our lives smaller and smaller. And what I want is for part of the reason I wrote the book is I, I want all empaths to be fully empowered, um, not to sort of feel victimized or at the mercy of this gift. Um, and strong enough and skilled enough to go out and decide what they want to do instead of, well, these are the three things I can do. And, and that's different from like, I can do anything I want to do. Right. Right. I think of them like trapped in their houses. When yeah. if they all came out and met, they'd be this beautiful healing community of support. But um, so many of them, I think, get sucked to death by the energy vampires, which is hard because you usually find these lovely, sweet, soft people will have like the energy vampire friend that kind of keeps them depleted in their house, which is not funny, but I've been there. I've been there where like, I always say, if you're a super empath, you're almost like this delicious piece of steak and the lions will find you, you know? I know. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, but it's painful, but it's I funny. It's awful, but it's such a gift. Um, yeah, and, um, I, I think it's like we can be energy free lunch. We're like free lunch, yeah. you know, energetically, right? Um, to the energy vampires. And I and I do think that empaths are like magnets for energy vampires. So what is even it, an energy vampire? Mm -hmm. It's those people, we've all had them, those people in life that just sort of suck you dry, you know? And um in my book I talk about a bunch of different kinds of empaths, I mean of energy vampires. And the there's the really scary ones that I think kind of get the most press are like the predatory mm -hmm. energy vampires. So the real narcissists. So we can just, everything you know, we can just replace energy vampire with narcissist and you pretty much have, if you know anything about it, um, know that there's kind of this dance between narcissists and energy vampires, which is really normal. And I feel like it's like a little bit of a soulmate can be like a little bit of a match, soulmate match where the narcissist energy vamp is drawn to us to try and get healing because we're fundamentally healers and we what's in it for us is they come into our lives to teach us how to set boundaries and by, by hook or by crook it's like you have to it's like set the boundary or, or die trying you know like it's right yeah and saying they usually come to me the empath will come to me after they're married and like they can't get out of bed because like they're um it's almost like the um 
the energy vampire is attracted to their light and their yeah. heart and their love, then they kind of corrupt it and squish it until the mm. person is forced. And I hate that, that they usually find their power when they are just so annihilated that they can't go on. Yeah. And that's why it's hard with relationships with empaths as well. Because not only, I know we're going to talk about the other kind of energy vampires, but it's like the, there's an actual narcissist, but there's also kind of like the victim-y narcissist where the energy vampire no, like can feel they need so much healing, but then they end up hurting themselves and the person yeah. never gets healed. When I talk Absolutely. about that one, I think that one's much more common. Yeah, it's much more common. You know, like the, the predatory type, it's like, you know, there's like documentaries and movies made about like those, you know, like the real <laughs> serious, like, yeah, exactly. You know, the real serious, like con con men, con women, they, they just like chew you up and oh chew God. you out. You get a message from someone from Afghanistan or someone in the military with children, that's this kind of vampire. Right, you know, exactly. <laughs> or, I mean, they're super, they're hard. Sometimes they fool us because they're so charming. They're so like, you know, um, like they know they're super psychic actually. So they know how to morph themselves to be who they, who you really want them to be. And they, you know, they kind of like, will set the hook that way. And, um, and then once they've hooked you, they kind of love bomb you at the beginning. Once they hook you, then they start like sucking, 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 sucking. And the problem with those ones are they're really without remorse. So a lot of times, and I hate to say people are irredeemable because I, I don't really believe that's true, but they don't have an invested interest in changing because, they don't think there's anything wrong with them. Like they're perfect, they're fine. Like clearly you're the problem. And so they're they're not gonna change or go to therapy or work on themselves. And when they when you finally set the boundary and be like, I'm I'm done, they just walk, they're like, Okay, see ya. Like and they find they replace you without um a qualm, without even a con in the and they almost like it's a sort of psychopath, like they don't have much conscious about it. And I've had clients like fifteen years of marriage, boom. And it's just like, yep. doesn't want to see the kid. They don't want to see the kids. They just move yep. on, start a new family. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It breaks my heart. And there, there's, if you feel like you've been in a relationship like that, or you've kind of had a hit and run with one of these vampires, there's a whole recovery movement, narcissist recovery movement, um, narcissistic abuse recovery. And if you, there's YouTubes and books and all kinds of things. If you look, if you Google that, you're going to find a lot of information about it. And it's really cool if you, if you feel like you've had a hit and run there. But the, I think you're right about the victim energy vampire. They're much more common. And, um, that they can be any relationship to us, like your mother, your mother-in-law, your your kid, your uncle, your boss. But they they're less predatory. They don't really mean to do it, but they kind of learned somewhere along the line that they can. They and they've it's tricky because they often really have difficult things. They have illnesses, or they have mental health issues, or they have they've had trauma. They have something that's really challenging. But they they've learned like that what Carolyn Mace calls woundology. You know, she wrote this incredible book called um, Why People Don't Heal, you know, um, and that um, and that she talks about she talks about this kind of energy vampire in that book. And they just like this is the friend who calls you and complains for an hour, talks you like talks and talks, never asks you how you're doing, won't take your advice. They never do because they don't really actually want to change. They and they complain about the same thing all the time and then you're listening and you're just like going, uh, 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 like you have to go lie down and take a nap you know when the call's over they're like oh oh how are you oops look gotta go bye and you know <laughs> that's how they go and, and we just i'm sure we all have had way more people like that in our lives right 
what's so hard about those friends is that um, we want so desperately to help them. We see how easy it is. We see like their pain and um, it's hard because we feel like when you feel someone's pain, like it's your pain, it's really intolerable. Mm. Um, and that's yeah. why it's so hard. Oh, I have an interesting question as well. When I was a kid growing up as an empath, I always felt responsible. And I think a lot of empaths do because if no one else can feel their pain, but you can, you almost feel like you have to fix it because you're the only one that feels it. Do yeah, feel I think that's true. I think that's true. And it's sort of like, if you think about empaths sort of having the soul of a healer, you know, we, we can see why we are really, we have super big squishy hearts, tons of compassion for other people. And then we have this kind of like that there's a, a, a conundrum there for us too. It's like, I call it the empath trap, which is where we feel somebody's pain and then we feel our pain about their pain. Now that we've, now we've got double the pain, you know, and if we can fix them, then we don't have to feel our pain as much. You know what I mean? Like we, yeah. we can sort of like, if we clean, if we absorb, if we sponge up their pain, then they're happy, happier. And then we don't have to feel their pain. And that means we don't have to feel our pain too. So um, a lot, I think the fix to that is learning how to let people have their feelings, learning how to let people be in their own situation, their own, like we need to trust that people can be responsible to deal with their own stuff. So basically, I mean, what, what we just talked about is codependency. That's straight up. I was about to bring that up. That's basically what <laughs> it is. Yeah. And setting the boundary. That's just, I swear, for me as an empath, the hardest thing is setting a boundary. Because then you set the boundary and you feel their pain go, oh, and you feel all their emotions about the boundary. And then you feel terrible. Right. But um, it's getting past that. Again, believing that they have a path and they are here to learn things too. And this is going to help them. Right. Exactly. And, and boundary is like a big it's like a big word people and pass off and ask me like lisa what even is a boundary like how do what even is that and if you're an empath it's it not like, yeah it's not like something we we automatically know but basically a boundary is um it's like a big word that means all the different ways we can say no no is a little word no and that's it so a boundary is like where's your no um and having good boundaries is like under, really understanding like where our yes and where our no is and 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 to get out of that empath trap what what i do is I, I never say yes or no in the moment. Because if somebody asks me to do something, I always say yes in the moment because I can feel it. I'm like, oh, they need another session. My calendar's totally full, but I'll squeeze them in, you know? And then, because um, I can't, I don't want to suffer and I can help them and like all that stuff. And then, and then I'm like, why did I do that? I'm like overbooked now and I'm going to burn out. And um, so empaths suffer a lot from burnout and overgiving because we don't know how to say no. And my kind of go-to thing is I, I, I've just learned the habit now of never saying no in the moment. I always, or, or yes, or anything, I will say like, look, um, uh, I can't, I can't tell you right now. Give me 24 hours. I'll let you know in 24 hours. And then I like literally have to go home and sit in a room by myself with my calendar when I'm not around them and go, can I do that? Should I do that? And do I want to do that? No, what, what am I going to have to give up to do that? Like, you know, then I can feel what I'm a yes and a no to. So I think it's empaths. This, this is my like tip besides learning the ground clear protect thing. What I think you can do is like get in the mirror and look yourself in the eye in the mirror and practice like 10 ways to say no in a really yeah. nice way. <laughs> right. You know? Exactly. And that is it about, and I tell, it's so funny. I use that all the time. I say when you're, they usually have like one or two vampire friends. I'm like, when they call you, just say, I have 10 minutes or 
I'm cooking dinner, let me call you back. Or just like, don't let them start. Cause once they start, you're there for two hours and then you're exhausted. Just right. like gently just, you know, say, oh, I love you so much, but I have to go do something. And just- right. Yeah, I think with the victim vampires, we, we really have to decide in our own minds how much energy we're going to give into that person. Maybe it's a Chris, once a year Christmas card or, or a once a month phone call for 10 minutes or, or you're going to spend an hour a week with whatever you're going to do. You, and then you have to stick to that um, even when they pull on you. you know? And then there, there's another kind of energy vampire too, which is, happens a lot right now, which is the situational energy vampire. And that's like, because I think it's better to think about energy vampirism as a process instead of a person, you know, and it's something that anyone can fall into, even like, you know, normal people and especially empaths. Um, when, when we ha have hard times where it's a hard time right now, we're in a pandemic where people have stress. If we, if you have something like you're going through a divorce or you have a horrible illness or chronic something or other that's going on, we, anyone can go, can become an energy vampire periodically or situationally. Right. So we have to watch out from that. And then, and then the really um, common one that's so hard is, is actually empaths who have been drained so much, you know, <laughs> yeah, I have too, you know, empaths who have been drained so much that now you're the energy vampire and, and it's it, tempting for empaths, you know, I would teach these workshops on, on this stuff and, um, and the empaths are like energy vampires. And I'm like, okay, honey, look in the mirror. Like we have to, we all have to look in the mirror and make sure we are not doing that because a lot of times the person that's, the biggest vamp in the room is the totally drained empath, the empath that's had the life sucked out of them. And as now, I think about like sort of the old mythology of vampires, like how do vampires get made? Like a, like a vampire right. drains the life out of, sucks the blood out of you. And then all of a sudden you're a little baby vampire that can happen to us. So we have to be really, really mindful about how we manage and run our own energy. And I think too, to really, really learn about codependence because it's really our responsibility to just say no and protect ourselves. It's almost like mos like real mosquitoes or something. Like if you don't put on off and go in the woods and they bite you, like that's on you. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> it totally is. And, and, and I think that's like a, for a lot of empaths, that's a radical thought, but it's also really liberating, you know, like right. you are responsible for your boundary. Nobody can manage your boundary except for you. It's nobody's business. It's on you to do it. And it's hard because you've got to learn it. But then again, isn't that freeing? Like no, nobody, everybody on the planet has, it's better for them if you have no boundary, right? So it's on you to fully, and people will adjust people. The thing is we, that empaths don't really realize is that if you have a boundary, people respect you. Right. And, it, and if you don't have a boundary, no, people don't respect you. So some sometimes they're like, I'm going to lose all my friends and nobody's going to like me. If I start saying no, my kids are going to be mad and my husband's going to divorce me. And then all of a sudden you, you do it and you, you, you get respect. If you think about the person, you know, with the strongest boundaries, don't you respect that person? Absolutely. And yeah. um, and you feel like your their time's like worth a lot more because, yeah. you know, they, they're particular. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's just so funny. It's so hard, especially as a parent, you know, and as a wife and a mother, it's like all of us, the, oh my gosh. So the one thing I love this book so much, and it has helped my family so much because I too, and I have kids that are empaths. And one thing I love that you have to share with people is um the thing about going to these big box stores like Walmart and Target. And you had a thing where you talked about 20 minutes. Like you have mm -hmm. to go to Target, have to go to Walmart, in and out in 20 minutes. And I've noticed 
we'll be shopping in about 20, 25 minutes. One of my children will just like be, hit the wall and be like, I was like, I have to get out of here right now. I'm like losing my mind. I know. I mean, I think um, we all have, I call it the Costco moments. Like <laughs> we all have those moments, like half, you get to the back because it takes you 20 minutes to get to the back of Costco. And then all of a sudden you like snap your circuits, like you hit uh, empathic overload and you're like, oh, I don't know where I am. I don't know what I'm here. <laughs> like, you know, I've, I've, I've actually had to like ditch my shopping cart in the middle of Costco. Just, yeah. and, and then I get out to the park and like, I can't find my car. <laughs> you know, like, because it's like this um, it's intense all that like noise and stimulation and the the lights and the smells and everything really pop our circuits and we go into something called empathic overload and like my little son my my son who's the the most empathic you know he's 24 now so he's not little but um you know he would have asthma attacks before we'd go into those stores and i taught him how to bubble up you know be inside your bubble and then we would be okay um, but I want to talk a little bit because we're getting to the end. I want to talk a little bit about like, um, where, let's talk about where where people can get the book. So um, yeah, because yeah, uh, so um, Energy Healing for Empaths came out in um, February and it's available on Amazon. So if you wanted to pop on over there and, and get a copy of it, it just came out on Audible too. So it's available on Audible. And I, I didn't do the voiceover. Um, some somebody who's like a super sexy voice is really great. Did the voiceover, and I was like, oh, I wish that was me. But um, I, I love listening to books on tape, so you can get it there. Um, and if you want to um, find me, you can also find me on my um, on my website, lisacampion.com. And if you go there, actually, I have a little free mini class that's four hours video class um, called managing uh, managing your sensitivity. If you get there, um, you'll see. Uh, a link to that and it's just a it's for empaths my gift to people that are having issues and and we run through the um in the videos we run through these uh meditations and it's really super cool so just a present for all the empaths out there if you need help yeah and let's talk about you lydia i know you work with people you have a really cool psychic ability um so what what do you do um what i do is i read the energy of people places and things um, in person, but through pictures. So um, when people send me pictures online, I can tell them, you know, um, about themselves, or most importantly, I will tell them about their partner or the prospective partner. And um, I have helped a lot of empaths who are married to covert narcissists where they're being gaslighted. And um, I can look at their picture and see the truth. And it's so liberating because no one believes them. So I think sometimes it's important for us um, to just not only understand like who people really are, but a lot of times people forget who they are. And I can look at their picture and see like all the beautiful gifts that, you know, God gave them that they might be disregarding or not honoring and just, you know, remind, remind them about all the amazing stuff about them. And yeah, your gift is so cool. And I I have to say, like, when I need help, I call Lydia. (laughs) Like, you know, every like it's hard to see our own stuff. So psychics always call other psychics. And Lydia is one of my go-to people when I'm in a jam, um, and I need help with something. And she's it's just picture thing is so cool that you do it. I love it. So I hope people check it out, check you out, and and book a session with you. Really good if you have a prospective date. If you're dating, you know, or you're you're not sure where things are in the relationship. Lydia can sort you out. So I was teasing about this tagline saying saving good people from bad dates. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. 
<laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Lydia, for coming on today and, and helping me spread the word about the my book and um, and being here. It was super fun. I always love talking to other psychics. And um, thank all of you guys for tuning in and watching us or listening to us after. Um, we're super glad that you're here. And just, um, yeah, thank you so much for being here on um, on the miracle of healing, where we are saving the planet one person at a time right here on Empower Radio. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.